0: Welcome to Kick-Ass Radio, hosted by Jo Sainsbury, founder of Kick-Ass Women. Join Jo over the next hour as she shares stories and conversations that are both inspiring and empowering. Having spent over 30 years in the corporate sector, Jo Sainsbury kicked off her heels and became a coal train driver working in the rail and mining industry. It has been her goal ever since to empower and support women who are considering a career change into an industry role, making the transition as smooth as possible. Jo is a walking, talking success story of how taking the plunge into industry can open up a world of opportunity. And you can do it too. If you're a woman working in industry or considering a career change, this is the radio station for you. Let's get into this episode of kick Radio.
1: Hey there, Glowgetters. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Radio show. Am I excited for today's show? You bet your kick-ass I am. The Australian government says there are about 2.7 million carers in this country, but those are just the carers that are registered with the government. There are also a lot of carers out there that aren't registered. Now, they don't identify as carers, they just see it as their responsibility to care for their loved ones at home. Realistically, the thoughts are that probably one in 10 people in Australia who are caring for somebody at home. So if you've got 30 people in your workplace, there are probably at least three people that are also carers. And it's the same at school because there are a lot of young carers out there. So in a class of 30 kids, there are probably three kids who are also caring for somebody at home. And the thing is, most people are totally unaware that they even coexist with you. The people they see at work and at school have no idea of the sacrifices they're making for their loved ones. And these are the hidden heroes in our society. And they do what they do out of love, but at the end of the day, it can be detrimental to their very own health and well-being. So today, who are carers? Carers are people who provide unpaid care and support to family members and friends who have a disability, mental illness, chronic conditions, terminal illnesses, maybe an alcohol or drug issue or who are the frailed and aged. Carers are an integral part of Australia's health system and are the foundation of our aged disability, palliative and community care systems. There's some pretty pretty astounding and alarming statistics out there also, which I found. So there are over 2.65 million carers across Australia and carers make up nearly 11% of Australia's population There's around 861,000 carers who are primary carers. Those who provide the most informal support to a family member or friend. Now there's also seven out of 10 primary carers are women, of course. The average age of a primary uh, carer is 54. So the stats tell us. However, one in 11 carers are under the age of 25. And one third of primary carers provide 40 hours or more of unpaid care per week. That's more than half of primary carers provide care for at least 20 hours per week. So over one third of primary carers have a disability themselves, twice the rate of non-carers. And right now in Australia, there are millions of unpaid carers looking after loved ones who can't take care of themselves. And they are mums, dads, grandparents, and even children as young as eight years old. Now, it's an exhausting task physically, emotionally, and mentally. But when they need help, who cares for the carers? We're going to find that out here today on Kick-Ass Radio with our special guest and the founding director of the Carers Foundation Australia, Ronnie Benbow. Now, Ronnie is a co-founder of the Carers Foundation Australia, as I said, which is Queensland-based nonprofit providing wellness retreats, advocacy and support for people in caring roles. How wonderful and tremendous is that? And there are some 3 million carers, like we said, across Australia, whose unpaid labour saves the community approximately a billion dollars every week. So it's vital and it's an exhausting work that goes largely unrecognised. So without them, Australia's health system would collapse. And we're we're kind of seeing that now, aren't we, across the nation. As is the case in the broader community, caring responsibilities fall predominantly on women. Now, the 2016 ABS census revealed that females represented 68.1% of primary carers, So we're going through some more stats here, and that 37.8% of carers across Australia report also living with disability themselves, like we said earlier. Now, Ronnie works directly with women and young people exhausted by these responsibilities. And the Carers Foundation provides evidence-based wellness programs to help carers rest, recover, and access vital support to better cope at home. So today we're going to learn all about the Carers Foundation Australia and Ronnie and get to find out how we can best support them. You are listening to the Kick-Ass Radio Show Kickstart where we talk about all things women working in non-traditional roles in varied male-dominated industries and I tell you how it is. I'm your host Joe Sainsbury, the Glow Getter and I hope we can keep you in good company over the coming hour and I'd also like to make a huge shout out to all the women working out on site and are out on track today. I'm losing my tongue here and we wish you a safe day and have a fantastic shift. And it also might be a good time to do a little bit of a trigger warning that today's show may and does contain some adult language. So let's get into it. Hello, Ronnie. Hi Joe. how are you? Good, thank you and welcome to Kick-Ass Radio. Firstly, thank you thank for coming you. on the show and for sharing some of your valuable time with us today. I know you're super busy, but I also know we're all going to enjoy your company and we're eager to find out what you've got to tell us and how we can support <laughs> the Carers Foundation Australia. So to kick things thank off, you. tell us a little bit about yourself and what were some of the biggest decisions you made in your career and how did they lead you to your current role now?
2: Wow. I mean, you did such an amazing introduction. Thank you for that. And so going through all those stats again, you've done a great job with your research. (laughs) And one thing you didn't mention was actually, um, and I'll get to that through our conversation, that uh, it's an actual fact that 30% of carers can often die before the person they're caring for. So that's how strenuous it can be. Uh, and that's, you know, by the time carers get to us, they're at that stage. So, but anyway, back, back to the question. <laughs> I've already digressed, haven't I? But <laughs> oh, that's all right. We where, can where, um, where do, do that. <laughs> So I guess my journey started a long, long time ago, um, how, I, how it affected my career path. It's probably when I was only 17 years old, actually, uh, and I was a student nurse. So I actually was in the community, um, visiting families that were caring for their loved ones, and I would see the carers, and even when they came to hospital, when their loved one came to hospital for procedures or whatever, I would notice that the carers were just in a worse um, state of health than the person they were caring for. And I and I really resonated with me because I thought, well, who looks after these people? Who looks after these carers and realistically that was 40 years ago and nothing much has changed so i decided back then that i was going to make a difference and i was going to you know form a, a healing haven and fix all these people and have a safe place for them to come so, you know, we could patch them up and, you know, they can connect with others in similar situations because it's it's very isolating being a carer. Uh, Look, unless, unless you've actually lived it, you know, your families don't understand, your friends don't understand. So realistically, you're doing it on your own most of the time. And that, you know, affects your mental health after a while. And I guess what resonated with me the most when I was that age was, you know, I was only a young student nurse, as I said, 17 years old. And when I used to visit, you know, families in the community, there was a young man um, that was caring for his mum and he was only a few years younger than me. And, you know, his mum had a severe stroke, so she was quite uh, incapacitated. So he had to give up school to care for her. So every time we went back to visit him, his his health was slowly declining. And and that really affected me and bothered me because nobody ever bothered to call in and check on him. It was always obviously to care for his mum because she was the one with the medical condition. But over the time, you know, his, his health, he had to give up school. He couldn't do any support uh, sporting activities. He couldn't, you know, engage with any friends. Um, so he was really isolated and he was becoming more depressed. And sadly, I learned uh, in a few years' time when he was about 21 that he actually did take his own life because he just couldn't do it any longer. And it's a common statistic amongst carers that that happens, that they just you know, work, you know, what we call from compassion fatigue. They just over, you know, probably, you know, give their entire life to care for their loved one, um, but they can't look after themselves because they don't have the time or the resources, which is where we come in. So it's taken me a lifetime to get there because obviously I went on and did my career. I got married. We had four beautiful boys. And then ironically, um, I became a carer because my husband had a near-fatal accident. So he was paralyzed from the neck down and so that i had to give up my nursing and i had to look after his businesses and obviously have you know four small children to look after and then as he was getting slowly better we we shifted down we were living in Cairns. we moved down to brisbane to educate the boys and then over the next few years one of our sons got a really severe, severe medical condition so that again, you know, obviously your priorities are your family. You don't, as you said, you don't consider yourself as a carer. You just do what you have to do and you look after your family. Uh, and then uh, once he slowly recovered, but that was, he's okay. But I mean, that was a slow recovery, seven years. And then my beautiful father, who had been living with us the whole time as well, um, he was nearly 90, He had a massive stroke. So I cared for him until he passed away. And I still had Mum living with us; <laughs> she was nine, 89 as well. Wrong, um, so that's right. when I decided to establish the foundation uh, to do this for part time, for a full time. Because prior to that, when we moved down from Cairns, uh, we were doing uh, funding privately, funding care wellness programs, working with other care organisations, and we saw the significant difference it made. So we just knew we had to do that. So. Uh, from 2015, uh, that's when we established the Carers Foundation to focus on caring for carers full time. And that's what we've been doing ever since.
1: Yeah. And like your journey is one that's been fraught with many life's challenges. So your current mm. resilience, it's very commendable and it's radiantly clear how they've become such important values in your life and your career and your business. So absolutely. Really, um, yeah, we commend you for that, Ronnie. It's quite a story. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> As well as, as you said, you become not only your your husband's carer, but you were you're already in the role of caring for your elderly and aging parents. So yes, um, that and as well as you know one of your own own children, so a very mm. big demand on yourself there. So we kind of touched on this next question it was about you know your journey um, being fraught, but uh, how it led to co founding the Carers Foundation. Mm. So at the time, did you think this new chapter would take you where it is today like um... uh, not really I mean I always that's what I always had envisaged
2: that was always the passion and the dream was to have this healing haven you know to look after carers of all ages especially the young you know the teenagers because I just feel that they are totally hidden in our community um and that's you know we see that over and over because we've even had programs where one of our yoga instructors for example was a teacher and we usually do the children you know the kids on the holiday, so we don't disrupt their schooling because that's their only normal part of their life and she came out and one of her students was actually in with our young carer program and, um, and she said what are you doing here? She said well I care for my mum Miss and she had no idea that this student of hers was actually caring for her mother that had quite a severe medical disability and then it all fell into place why she was always tired, why she was always late for school, why she missed you know doing her homework and she just assumed she was a lazy you know interested yep. student but the fact was that she was actually caring and didn't was not identified and as you said before you know probably in every classroom there's three you know kids that are caring for a family member whether it's a disabled brother or sister or mum with a medical health condition mental health condition and these kids just do it because they have no choice and they just you know they don't know any different really but they need support.
1: And definitely do and I know we've previously Um, made the comment Mm. the fact that you know carers are the ones who are hidden in society and we're all all very complacent we don't think about the carers all the focus is on the person with the disability or the illness so we need to think and ask the carer how they are going Mm. and the carer is the one who is carrying the brunt of the work that they do and they are just as exhausted as the person in care so Mm. it's you know to each and every individual, we do need to change our focus and focus on the carer as well, definitely. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's very... In regards to that story you were saying about that teacher, there's a... um, a video on, um, I think it's on Facebook or on Instagram now, um, it's been getting around of a very similar instance over in America mm. where a young a young fellow was late for school every day and the teacher was, yeah, pretty pretty harsh on him. And it wasn't mm. until we seen him outside of school one day, um, he would, um, I think it was his grandmother he'd, he'd <laughs> or his younger brother, he'd, he'd take yes. somewhere first thing of the morning and the teacher actually witnessed him doing that and, and the penny dropped and realize why he was late to, to school every day and the whole persona yes. of that teacher-student um, relationship changed, changed completely. Mm. And, it, yeah, it's a very that's touching right. and heartwarming story, but it, mm. as it comes back, it comes back to complacency because we all have the blinkers on and we just don't think about the actual. No, thing. that's right. Yeah.
2: Well, that's so, right. And unless it affects you, you don't think about it, and that's why they are hidden heroes in our, in our community because they just get on with doing it and, and never doing their job. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, never ask for anything you know they feel quite embarrassed to ask for help um which is what we need to you know
1: (laughs) emphasize that they do need support so introduce us to the carers foundation and tell us what Mm. it's all about walk us through some of the Mm. fantastic programs and services the foundation offers and how best they can work not only for the carer but the families Mm. also don't they it it provides of course provides relief for them too
2: absolutely so we work with you know a lot of other care organizations and they you know we encourage them to identify carers that are just not coping and hitting you know we don't want them to sort of reach that health crisis breakdown we want them to really contact us before they get to that state but realistically by the time carers do get to us they are you know quite uh broken they're suicidal they're disengaged and you know not the thing is, because they save the government so much money, you know, in fact, it's up to $83 billion annually now, which is probably $1.4 billion a week in replacement health care. Surely they're entitled to have at least two, you know, little breaks a year. And that's what they need to, to, to focus on their health and well-being. So, that, you know, a well-carer is going to be a much better carer and they won't sort of break down and end up in hospital, again, saving the government money
1: um so by the elbow's, time, the people, elbows good at giving out money he should be giving out yeah money no oh, it's all
2: right he's on our list <laughs> <laughs> he's on our follow-up list um so I guess when carers arrived, um you know we try to we just keep the groups quite small and it's it just works the outcomes are so much more powerful by doing that. We just find any, the really bigger more groups. One. People who go, yeah, they, they segregate in the different groups, but the small. We only have six to eight on every program, and we try to identify carers in similar situations so they've got that factor in common, and then we can we do always do a pre assessment before they come, so we actually ask what their interests are. Uh, and we try to incorporate that. like something they haven't done for a long, long time. Um, you know, just any little thing that they love to do, we try to incorporate that in the program for them. So we do three-day programs, which are really quite comprehensive and all focused on mental health and wellness, but we also do one-day programs and we do uh, one-day mother-daughter retreats or father-son retreats. Um, we do like half-day retreats or so just little pamper packages, really, just to, if they haven't got time to get away for too long so they can just escape for the morning, have a morning tea or a lunch and a massage and then they can go back into it yeah just because obviously it's not possible for some carers to get away for two or three days or one day but a half day so the three days we have to work with organizations to help you know provide care for their loved one or their family so they can get away and they're not worried about them while they are away and I guess just to go through it what happens is when they arrive we always you know obviously it's we're very different and our point of difference is probably because of our personal touch that we give so we always agree with a beautiful warm hug um and that's you know very powerful because often they're so broken and they're just so disengaged and they haven't had any human touch for so long um they just oh God, yeah. break down and cry because no one often you'll hear say i haven't been touched for four years i haven't had a hug for you know eight years they just don't get that because they're so busy doing what they're doing with their loved one and you know if they're not responsive. They just don't get that connection and a human touch. And as we all know, that's so healing. So that's always a big positive for what we do. Uh, It was difficult through COVID, but we worked around it. (laughs) And then we always have a conversation in our first workshop, just let them share their story. And that is amazing because often, as you say, as you have highlighted that, all the focus is on that person with the disability or the illness. And everyone always asks, how are they going? How are they doing? But no one ever stops to say, yeah. how are you going to the carer? And when they are asked, that, they don't know what to say because no one's ever asked them. So for them to sort of have some space, we have a talking stick, so whoever's holding that, that's their turn to talk. Uh, they can share their story and, it's you know, there's never a dry eye in the house because they just don't get that opportunity to share their story. Uh, and to be heard. And I guess that's a big part of what we do is just listen and let them talk because they don't get that opportunity at all anywhere.
1: And, that's, um, right. and, and then like conversation, yeah. like just having a general conversation. Yes. You know, they, because yes. like with with caring, um it's it's physical work, it's mental work, it's yep. You know, they, they have responsibilities such as, you know, management of medications, their emotional and social support to the actual person they're caring for. Yep. But yes, yeah, that's exactly. A, that's exactly what we're talking about. They themselves hmm. had emotional and social support. So and, and absolutely the, the programs, the the um, the yoga and all that. That's giving them yeah. relief to their physical. Um,
2: oh, absolutely.
1: So we self, focus and, on, on know, their mental. To, yeah, to exactly. All of those kind of uh, responsibilities that they're they tasked to do. So yeah, absolutely to have conversations and and vent and let all out all the emotions of you know the hard tasks that they've had to do each and every day um absolutely it gives them a fresh look yeah and the good thing about that is they're
2: actually with people that totally get it and totally understand that they don't have to explain why they feel and why they do what they do they get it they get it so that that alone look that forms that really strong connection for them when they do leave after the program so they do stay in touch and as you say, we focus on their mental health. So we do a lot of mental health resilience in the in the um, programs, just teaching them how to cope different strategies to learn to manage their stress uh, because obviously stress and anxiety is a huge part of dealing with life-threatening situations every day especially for the children the mm-hmm. teenagers um, and also we do focus on the physical so we do full, full body massages and therapies we do sound wave therapies um, we've got a healing bed now and so you know there's a lot of things that we do focus on their, you know full emotional mental and physical well-being mm-hmm. and when they change look like, the reason you know it's just it we've still never ceases to amaze us to see people arrive that are so broken, basically on the edge of suicide, yes. uh to leave, totally transformed. You know, they, they actually become engaged, they're connected, they like they feel so much better. They've had their pain relief for a couple of days, they've been able to rest. Do a lot of meditation and just as you say, gentle movement. It just it's just life changing in three days. Like you know, it's hard it's like to even a, fathom, but it's yeah, amazing.
1: It's like, it's like a rediscovery of themselves, isn't it? And how oh, absolutely how empowering yeah. and lifting is that for them? As you said, to actually is. a self awareness that they are a human being and they do exist. They're just not a you know yes. a person on a robotic. Um, schedule every day doing the the same thing in and in and out in and out you know whereas they are provided, exactly they are they are absolutely essential service but they still mm. need to provide care for themselves and and make them feel valued and and worth worthwhile and
2: like the last few years have been very very challenging so I mean obviously with COVID and the isolation additional isolation and realistically care is live with isolation issues well, but probably. you know I guess it's probably the first time the general public have actually experienced a little bit of isolation that's like why, their yeah. isolation we're all complaining because we locked at home and we had to watch the tv and we couldn't yeah. get out but that's the normal life for a carer they do that but it was amplified with COVID obviously because they couldn't access their services they couldn't get to appointments they couldn't get outside and if you've got a child at home with quite severe ADD and has to have that routine I mean it's pretty challenging especially yeah. if you've got dementia elderly with dementia that are quite aggressive it's not yeah. fun being home with them
1: so you know
2: a lot of carers end up with what we call accidental abuse you know injuries from you know just being with caring for their loved one um
1: and it's mm. and it's you know it's such a um a sad um fact and it's a you know it's in your face there to see so many young people that are carers and i got to meet a couple of those (coughs) carers that um that have been to your programs at the at the yes. at luncheon and wonderful stories they are but actually you know ah. very heartbreaking to hear too yes the kind of lives yep. through majority of these children and young teens and um, young adults have mm. you know what hope do they hold for their future if they think that's all their life is it's you know, it's just it's hear really to, um,
2: yeah. heart reaching actually just to think they don't get a choice yeah. Uh, as you say, you met some of the girls, or I don't know who you mm-hmm. spoke to, but I mean, these kids end up with PTSD and, and quite severe mental health issues because they don't realise that they've they've missed out on their entire teenage years. They don't get a, you know, a choice, you know, for them to even have any fun or go out, or you know, some of the girls, you know, haven't had a haircut yeah. for seven years mm-hmm. and haven't yeah. never worn makeup. Just those little things that we take for granted, they don't even get a chance to do. And, like sorry,
1: had the you know, they find it hard to go to school or to university. Mm. They can't yep. keep up with a course if they're, you know, they've enrolled in something. They're bullied. Yep. They find it difficult, mm. to, you know, to make or keep friends because, as you said, the isolation mm. keeps them away from all those, um, those resources yep. and, and social life. And I-
2: and not only that, their friends just have got no idea. Like I know a couple, a couple of day. girls they're caring yeah. for their mum for ten years and they said, Oh, but your mum should be caring for you. They, you know, and they said, Mum, no, no, mum's really, really oh, sick. Yeah. Uh, and they and they said they can't go out. Like they said, why can't you come out? Why can't you come out? And they said, Well, if we did, you know, they couldn't go out anyway. But you know, yeah. as they said, their friends are on a totally different level. All they're worried about are their boyfriends and their makeup and which party they're going to. And they said, Well, if they do go out, all they're worried about is if mum's going to be alive when they get home. So yeah. they can't connect on that level at all like these kids are just so mature for their age like these 14 year olds that just mm. could have adult conversations with them they can't relate to a typical 14 year old oh, because no. they don't have the same challenges or, or issues to deal and with every day
1: because they're taking on responsibilities well beyond oh, the years aren't absolutely. they yes. yeah. absolutely yeah
2: absolutely most adults wouldn't do what these kids do in a they lifetime do. that's are exactly dealing right. with life-threatening you know, I've got, you know, kids doing resuscitation, you know, every couple of days on their brother or sister or, you know, suctioning or just things that you wouldn't even think of. You know, that's part of their normal life. Right. One adult you know, most adults wouldn't cope with that at all. Um, but that's just what they do and they learn to live with that and they think that's their normal life, but it's not. Yeah. So it does have long-term impacts on them.
1: And as I said, I know firsthand <laughs> the impact that the Carers Foundation had on some young carers like Sarah and Emma and Jasmine. So... Yeah. Describe a typical day for you and also for someone experiencing a retreat, like we kind of mentioned that. So how do you want people to feel when they do experience a retreat? What? um, Well, um, because we
2: just don't want them to be alone. We want them to know that they're not alone. We want them to be empowered. We want them to feel um, just full of compassion like we've all our team is full of compassion and that's one thing we we is a must with the carers foundation every single person involved has been a carer and has got lived care experience we've all been there we all know what it's like to be in those dark holes that you don't know what's going what the next hour is going to be let alone what the next day is going to bring bring so we totally get it so i guess when they come to us it's they're quite they're embraced with love and compassion and kindness and caring and often especially for these children it's the first time they've actually experienced a kind, loving environment, uh, which is heart wrenching. But it it's a, it's scary. a fact, and they they actually embrace it once they get used to it. They think, oh, wow, I've never had this before. You know, we hear the conversations they have with, with back home, uh, which are not very pleasant and the way they're treated. So we know they're going home to that. So we always make sure that, you know, that doesn't define who they are. It doesn't mean it has to be like that forever. We just teach them strategies to cope so that when they go back, we can't change what happens at home, but we can change how they deal with it every day. And that's really vital for them to, you know, to cope. Yeah. Uh, and, and it works because they'll ring back and tell us and the feedback know I know we know it works from the feedback when they ring back and say, oh, look, I did this and oh, mum didn't bother me because I did this and did that. And mum wanted to know well, I wasn't angry at her anymore and all these sort of things. So they actually learn to cope with all the extra stress that they deal with. That you know, as you say, most adults wouldn't have a clue what to do. Um, so we just want people to feel that that love and compassion that they get when they come with us and be embraced. So they know they're not alone. When they leave, they meet others, I said other people on the retreat. So they always keep in touch. They form their own groups. So we know we follow up afterwards and we can see they're keeping in touch. And if they identify an issue with one of them, they'll let us know so we can sort of reach out and follow up as well. So that ongoing connection is vital. I think that's probably the biggest part that we see, and that's you know what we <laughs> what we like to you know encourage when they're there. So,
1: and it is. It's I know from you know reading a, a, quite a few of the testimonials um, from um, yes. carers that have been on the retreats. You know they're able to get their own mental health back in check. Um, yes, they go yeah. home with a feeling of you know empowerment, and Absolutely. they go home with a whole a whole new um, aspect or, or perspective on on their role. They know that you know there is something more out there for them, and there is support out there. So it's great yeah. to hear those stories, and um, it's definitely yeah, it's great to see them. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's, and it's and definitely great to see that they they are actually putting themselves up for the retreats or they're accepting the oh, yes. invitations to go so we need it's to get hard out. I mean that's
2: that's why yeah. we offer the one day first because yep. often they can't get away so they come and then they can see what it's like it takes a little bit for them to come but once they've been there and they know how it makes them feel obviously then they want to come back and they ring all the time so that's you know the long-term goal would be that they check in do their one day, they do the three days and they can just rebook again for another six months, you know, so they can actually know that they're coming back because you know when we first started we were having carers out there some of these women have had not had a day off in 20 years like I remember the first group we did (laughs) that was a long time ago when we did it you know privately and we had this gorgeous little lady come and she was about 75 years old I think and it turned out to be her birthday that day and we didn't know but we found out on the day it was her birthday so she we just to be there and when we arrived we gave her a big hug and I just remember her crying because she said I haven't been She was one of the ones. It's always resonated with me. I haven't been touched in about 15 years because my husband had a stroke and I've been caring for him the whole time. Um, And then we found out it was a birthday and we made a cake for her. She just bawled her eyes out. She said, I haven't had a birthday um as such oh, brave, you know for about the whole 20 years and she said i will probably just be you know <laughs> at home having a veggie might sandwich up to my elbows and you know what turning my husband so she just couldn't believe it and just those little things that as i said the smallest things make the biggest and difference they,
1: and they um, truly do
2: yeah yeah and just having mums arrive that may be covered in bruises and they'll just stop and stand and say is it is it wrong i want my child to die Mm. because they have severe autism and they just beat her up every day and she has to go home to that and you know they're not going to ever report it because as they get the accidental abuse i mean that's what they have to put up with they don't report that because they know they don't want to go into the system because you know the the medical system's so broken they just they rather put up with that every day but they get to a point where they can't do it anymore it's just exhausting and they just you know, hit the wall and they can't do it. And you can understand why, because it's just so unrelenting, you know, the exhaustion and just everything involved with caring 24-7.
1: And that's exactly right. And it's extremely Mm. empowering that the Foundation has set some pretty mighty formidable objectives with what you provide to the carers. Yep. And we do need to advocate more predominantly, especially for the community, to understand, Mm. respect value and empower all people that are caregivers yes. in our society and exactly for those ones that are even in our, in our closer inner circles that we you know we're not even providing that care to them and they're part of our families they're caregivers in our own families and we're just you know yep. we're asking the question well how's how's mum today or how's uncle johnny yep. today without even you know a second thought to how them that's right they are themselves. Oh, it's not that hard to care for them. Well, yeah. You're their home all day, you don't
2: do much, you don't know yeah.
1: <laughs> if only yeah. you.
2: That's why they don't go and stay there. <laughs>
1: yeah, so it, it paints it's a whole ridiculous. new picture when you hear of the of the stories like this and you and you take on yep. a whole new respect and understanding of absolutely. The role. So we're gonna have absolutely. a little break and listen sure. to one of the show's sponsors and we'll be back with you all soon.
3: Hey Glowgetters, have you heard about kick-ass women? Founded by Joe Sainsbury, Kick-Ass Women is dedicated to empowering and supporting women who are considering a career change into an industry role. Visit our brand new website at www.kickasswomen.com.au or follow kick Women on Facebook and LinkedIn today to keep up to date with all things Kick-Ass Women and the incredible opportunities and content we have for you. See you there, glow-getters.
1: Okay, thanks for tuning back in, where we are chatting to Ronnie Bendow, from the, uh, who is a co-founder of the Carers Foundation Australia. Welcome back, Ronnie. Thanks, jo. <laughs> So, What are you most proud of when you think about the Carers Foundation? Wow, well, I guess seeing how far we've come from a dream
2: 17 years ago, it's taken a lifetime to get here, but I really, realistically, the, the biggest the most proudest moments are when we see the carers leave and see the difference that we've made in their lives and know that they've got connections ongoing and know they're not going to be alone. Uh, that's that's obviously that's what I'm proudest of the most.
1: <laughs> now, and that should be, uh, you know, your essential work has changed the lives of carers right across Australia. Yeah. So helping them to improve their health and give them hope. So yes. with such fulfilment and achievements to date like these, that should make you very and most proud of what you've accomplished so far, and with so much yeah. more, hope for the future for the Carers Foundation. So, yes. Absolutely.
2: Very. Yeah. And very, we've got big plans. Very, yeah, big plans for the foundation. So it is, it's very humbling, but it's just to see the difference. It's why we do what we do.
1: <laughs> exactly right. So, yeah. what has been the most important lesson that you've learnt along the way in this journey oh of creating my God. the foundation? <laughs> Lots to learn, I guess it? the most important lesson, I guess
2: um just never give up on your dream really just stay resilient stay strong just persevere be persistent really just if you, if you have a dream that you need to do just keep going for it i mean you're going to get knockbacks and kickdowns all the way you get people that get in the way that you have people with their own agenda that want to do their own thing and it's it's interesting being a charity you think most people are there to support you but it's it's yeah. actually quite the opposite uh which really floored me i mean having coming from nursing background going into running my husband's businesses when he you know um when I had to, when he was unwell but yeah it's a, it's interesting it's just I guess you just really have to persevere and have that re- resistance and <laughs> just be and the determination and I guess a a huge chunk of stubbornness as well so you know and and get used to the knockbacks like you know having a charity when I first started applying for grants like I knew what I had the passion about but that doesn't mean everybody else has they don't get it they don't understand so when I used to get knockback after knockback after knockback I was devastated but now I just go I expect a knockback and so when I get a yes I go oh my god we got it (laughs) so I just expect a no all the time and if I get
1: a yes it's like yay And look, no you know, journey is without its obstructions, its roadblocks <laughs> and detours. So however, exactly. success, you know, and everyone's success, our success is built on how we manage these challenges and learn from our failures. And no, no doesn't mean no. No means that we go about things in a different way. Different yes. How can we attack it in a different way? How do we, you know, so no doesn't mean no all the time. So that's for sure. And the greatest business people around the world have all failed numerous times before their success was created for them. So we do learn from our failures and, um, yeah, definitely never give up. No, that's it, and I think that's a that's a big
2: lesson for anybody and any any that any dream that people have. Just you know, people will tell you the re- a million reasons why you shouldn't do it and how hard it is. They go, well, that's all the more reason to do it and do prove it. them that's
1: wrong. Right, right, exactly right. <laughs> I'm going to do this, and you know, that, that's the mindset you get, isn't it? When someone tells yes. you no, or and they're you know they're coming down on you saying, "Oh, you won't be able to do that." It's like you just watch. Yeah. You just exactly and I guess initially it
2: was like yeah. that. Initially, you know, you sort of think, okay, well, maybe I am the stupid one, maybe I am the one that <laughs> I am not young and naive when I had this vision and now I'm just old and naive. <laughs> but <laughs> I thought no, I we see the difference, we see the outcomes, we know what we do. Well, in care, fact, we're the sure. only only charity in Australia that actually provides these three-day programs for yeah. carers for no cost at all. And obviously, you know, and then the long-term vision is to get a new centre. Uh, which will be Australia's first wellness centre for carers. So that's another huge vision that we've got that we're re- working on at the moment. Uh, it, and it's so needed. Like this, this We get calls every day from carers all over Australia because they see our socials, they see what we're doing, and they say, well, where can we go in Adelaide? Where can we go over in Perth? Where can we go in the middle of, you know, our back whoops, you know, and I go, well, you know, this is what we need to do. We The need is so great. It's increasing every day. Because the systems are so broken, more and more people are forced to be at home caring for their loved ones. So it's only going to get worse. So we really need to be supporting more carers and we need to do a lot more advocacy in that area, mm. uh, which we will be doing. Yeah. Um, and it just takes time and energy. But, again, that, that seeing the outcomes and seeing what we do is, gives you more determination to do it.
1: Yeah. And so, I know um, you've just mentioned that, thats you know, your vision I was going to ask you if there was one thing that keeps itself oh. and the Carers Foundation moving yes. forward, what would it be? So yes, you definitely, you know, you said provide a, a bit of yeah. education and wellness support center. So yes, with yeah, with so that, and the
2: purpose is seeing seeing the difference we make. Like we know we make a difference. We save carers' lives all the time, and just share a little story. The last group we had, you know, there was a lady there that had five children with disabilities and special needs, like five. And she, we rang her on the Sunday to remind, you know, she actually rang us on the Sunday to say that she couldn't come, she was couldn't attend, and we whatever we said resonated with her to come. And yeah. um, we just said, look, this is for you. You need to do this for you. It's not about anybody else. You sound like you need this. So she arrived totally broken, suicidal, just wasn't coping at all, didn't know what to do. But over the three days she just, again, transformed, uh, met new people, was able to share her story, got people with, understood, because that's half the battle is getting people that, understand what you go through Mm -hmm. so on the third on the Wednesday she came up and just kept giving us this massive big hug and I said well, yeah thank you I said no no no, you don't have to thank she said yes I do she has squeezed and squeezed for about three minutes and she said I do have to thank you because on Sunday when I rang you I had actually planned to kill myself mm. and like she's got five children and she just couldn't do it anymore no support does it all on her own so you can see why they reach that crisis oh, point you know and we have to stop absolutely. that we have to stop them getting to that health oh. crisis breakdown mm-hmm. uh, and that's why they need to have these regular quality breaks because if they knew they could come back in six months we just rebook them back in but at the moment because we don't have regular funding or we're not government funded we can't guarantee we're going to have that money to get them back in so it's always Mm. goodness me we'd love to get you back but you know it's depending on you know how much money we have and where we can get the funding from which i mean i apply for grants and we do fundraisers as you know but it's not enough we need to make sure we get a continual
1: income yeah for mm. you income source exactly. for you exactly. and we can see it we can hear it when you speak you're so invested and passionate about your vision mm. committed to doing all you can to make it so much more so we wish you well in that and we will help absolutely. you absolutely you can along with that so <laughs> that talking about you know medium short long-term aspirations with the wellness center now i think we had an uh we were in a conversation outside of um here talking about mm. um what's the the re, the retreat um made up of it's um cabins it's on a property yeah so we've, we've got a, we've
2: got it we've got a facility of fellow's holding for us but obviously the issue is raising the five million dollars to secure it uh and it's purpose built really we can move in tomorrow if we wanted to so it would be a center that carers could come anytime it's not just a dropping center it's a, a center that when they before they reach that Crisis point, they can come and just you know have a sleep. Sometimes they just need to get away and get some sleep, you know, and just not have to even be involved in the programs. Just to get away and have someone care for them for 24 hours, give them a meal, let them have a sleep, have a nice hot bath, just refresh themselves. You know what it's like when you just get that point. You, You just need a little reset. Uh, but we will also do our programs there as well. But it'll also be a training centre so we can actually train more volunteers and facilitators so we can expand our reach because we need to get out into rural communities, which I'm really passionate about, getting into other areas around Australia. Uh, and also it'll be a social enterprise so we can do paid corporate retreats to do their wellness days and that'll give us that sustainability long term so we can fund the carers to come out. Uh, so, and We yeah. won't have this issue <laughs> funding yeah, all the and- time.
1: Therein lies, you know, an outreach there, um, because majority of workplaces now around the country have a mental health policy, so exactly. they will be looking for those wellness retreats for Absolutely. employees Absolutely. for management, um, because there's so much burnout now um, with COVID, yep. with the the rising pressure and uncertainty of um, of our our lives, you know, inflation, exactly. the economy. Um, the state of the state of the nation with its health crisis. Oh, it's it is. Uh, the, the mental. There's so health. much.
2: Yes, yes, so much stress and anxiety, and as you say, it's affecting everybody's mental health. Yes. And obviously, you need to look after your workers. You know, like even corporates. So they're yes. they you know they're actually better performers if they get away for a day and reset and we, really it'll just be a reset day for them we'll bust them out and do, do the whole day of mm. doing some mindfulness you know doing massage whatever we need to do but then for their you know their workers and that's you know that's one way
1: we can sustain the foundation long term
2: yep. so De- that's
1: the big big goal yes definitely and we and we wish you well and we'll try and help help you as much as we can yes. with that <laughs> So now yes. let's let's get on to something left afield field here. Now yes. <laughs> you became a writer and author. Now did you kind of sort fall of. into it? And I know you had your own story to tell because we share co-authorship of a compilation. Yes, yes, leaders I just have to happen to have one here. <laughs> yes, and, and, I was, it was, and it I'm so you know what. We're both very I'm proud so, of it. Yes. Yeah, I'm so blessed we did because I got to meet you, and that's yeah, of that's heart. exactly right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, was this your first writing experience? Tell us about. I had
2: about I you. had done a compilation similar before, and I guess really the only reason I you know, engaged to do that was really to raise awareness for the foundation because people, even though we, we sort of, you know, are getting well-known, we're still not that well-known. People don't know who we are, what we do. So it was really just to get it out there so people could sort of start reading the story and, and hearing about what, you know, we need to do for our carers. That so was more an awareness thing because my story, I mean, that's only a snippet of
1: what we've actually been through. I've got a whole book of my own to go. And, and you do, everyone's got a book within themselves. And exactly. we all um you know, I'm so proud of that of this book and to be alongside you in the compilation it's yes. truly a book of heartwarming stories it reminds me of chicken soup for the soul which is one of my all-time yes. favorite books and um at the heart of humble leaders is the idea that individuals coming together can change the way that women think and feel about themselves because of their own story so yes. um, in other words, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful book that embraces the idea of collective individualism and sharing advice yes. for women, from women, from all walks of life and different backgrounds. And we've all got, you know, such, such wonderful stories to share. And I know um, in your chapter, you mentioned that, uh, or you, you say that you were an adopted and you're an only child. So there in yes. itself is a story. All, all yes, life. it was. So, Yes, I know. And I guess
2: I was very blessed because I was adopted from birth. So, um, you know, I had the kindest, most loving parents, and I yeah. guess that's where yeah. I get that kindness from. And get it was and just, you know, natural that I progressed into a caring profession because my dad was the eldest of 13. I think mum was the middle of eight. So they came from huge families, and here I was an only child. So, and um, and so there's another
1: loved. avenue, you know, for um, when you get the opportunity to talk about your own experiences and share real-life stories, that could be another activity, maybe at your retreat. Yes, the carers yes. To start writing, you know, because it's such it's such an enlightening feeling, isn't it, when you write, like you start writing, and it all just starts coming out. And it's it's a mental it's a mental um, refresh. It's it's a reset. It's actually to able to get clear very, all that junk out of your head. Oh.
2: It's, it's very, very powerful. It. We do a bit of journaling, actually. Yeah. And I'll tell you what the most powerful one we've ever done was. We do what we do call as a father-son retreat. So we have the dads come that are caring for their wife or their child with a disability, and they have one of the, the other children that hasn't got the able-bodied child come. And obviously they've been to our place as a young carer. So... They've never, they never get time, the, the normal child, that's a terrible word to use, but the able-bodied child never yes. gets t- quality time to spend with the parent because, obviously, when they're at home, yes. all the focus is on whoever's yeah. got the illness and the disability. Mm-hmm. So we do these mother-daughter-father-son retreats, which are just amazing. So they get to spend a day together, just the two of them, and usually it's the first time they've ever had that chance to do that. So when talking about the writing, like they share their story initially and it's really Powerful to see the young fellow, like the young carer, young boy, see his dad break down and cry, how difficult it's been on his side, like losing all his friends, having a child with a disability, how he feels inadequate caring for his other kids, how he feels he hasn't got the time. Uh, And it's interesting for the so it's good for the young boy to see that yeah. because they've never seen that sign of dad. Yeah. And then when the young boy speaks to say how he feels unloved, how he doesn't yeah. get any attention. Oh, isolated. How, mm. Yeah, isolated and he's left at home all the time and they go to hospital and whatever, you know, all that. So that really forms a strong connection. But then we did this exercise, the writing exercise, where they actually got to write letters to their loved ones. And, oh, my God, these men wrote these most beautiful stories to their wife, or their child, or their other siblings, and they were in tears. Actually, sitting there writing them, and they were actually writing these little cards and these stories. As it, how much it they comes felt.
1: from the heart, doesn't it? That's where yes. it all comes from. These heartfelt yes. feelings of the desperation of, you know, they, yes. they, they've they got all this emotion inside but they just can't get it out. They... <clears throat> exactly. And how, how much they do love them and they feel
2: sorry but they haven't had time to spend with them they've realised now that, you know, all the focus has been on this and they're going to make a bigger effort. But, just yeah, just expressing their feelings so they never get a chance to do that and for them to actually write it and see it and feel it um, and we've got an amazing male facilitator. So we, when we do the male groups, you know, we do, obviously, it's very structured very differently yeah. to the female groups. You know, the females yeah, will focus it would focus on the to be, pampering. Yeah. But the men, we just go down the creek and, you know, sit down, by the, by the, on the rocks, and they just, you know, do their right. men stuff and their yeah. men talk, and we'll have a fire, yeah. and they sit around that. It's just, you know, very empowering for them to be able to share their story. And in fact, usually it's the first time they've actually spoken about having a disabled child, because they don't tell their mates, they don't go to the pub and talk about it, they don't tell anybody else, and their family don't want to know. So yeah. for them to be able to share that in a, in the comfort of all these other men with similar situations and it's so it's so um, you know we just love it because at the end they all gather around and they're like little schoolboys they're sharing their phone numbers they're sharing their little emails and we form a little group for them and you know it's the first time they've had people that actually tr- they could truly really talk to but that awesome. understand.
1: And how humbling and to see huge. that oh. everyone oh. can discover their very own unique purpose. Oh. It's remarkable Absolutely. and their personal yeah, encouragement it's... to each yeah. each of you know each other and it yeah, you know, absolutely would make, make them feel like they could conquer the world you know after having that bit of you know reassurance and
2: life changing it's Yeah,
1: definitely yeah it is so, it
2: really is and that's why we do what we do <laughs>
1: Yeah, people always right. say well,
2: when are you going to look after you oh, oh we're too busy we've got to you know this is why we do what we do because we see the difference it makes and i think anybody that's been on any of the programs like they they just can't believe it like that's why they keep coming yeah, back and want to volunteer yeah. their time because it's just so powerful and and uh, engaging and just yeah it just it's just you know empowers you as well as them and, and yeah. you know that it's yeah. making a difference in their life so that's why.
1: <laughs> so, so do you think you'd, you've would you got a book in you? Do you think you'd write it? Well, yeah, right. I just need another 50 hours in the week. To,
2: <laughs> unless I can talk it at night in my sleep when I lie down you, you know? could probably You could I probably record that. it. Yeah, you could record yeah, it. And that's probably that. the, the only way it's the, ever going to happen. There's technology
1: happen. out there that, that turns your know, audio into text.
2: That's true. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's the only way it's ever going to
1: happen. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah Ronnie yes. you've
1: been so deserving of some fantastic awards and acknowledgements mm. which award uh, which achievement do you look at and think wow um, I'd love to go back in time and tell my younger self that this was possible.
2: Wow I guess the biggest one for me was being nominated for Australian of the Year and being in the finalist in as Queensland nominee and mind you <laughs> <laughs> the three most inspiring people you can imagine so there was dr ross gnomes who does all the at back cardiac must yeah. i mean you know to be up against him i mean what a yeah. joke and then of course uh, dr dinesh palapana who's um you know he's the quadriplegic lawyer and and doctor uh, and, um, and they come up to me and say oh good luck I said, oh, no need <laughs> guy, i can see who's gonna win here and they go always, and, but always have a self-belief Ronnie? I... Yeah ex- well I didn't I mean I was just so humbled to be there yeah, no, yeah. there's no way I knew I was going but I just couldn't believe I was even amongst such you know amazing people and and that was all in itself was I oh, called, cool, why am I here? I, I don't deserve this you know you know, I just don't do that sort of thing um, so I was quite shocked to even get the nomination let alone being the finalist but I guess really the reason for it and I always believe you know the universe puts things out there and things happen for a reason it was because of um, Dinesh you know like he, him and his mum come up to us and of course he's a quadriplegic uh, doctor and lawyer who practices at the Gold Coast Hospital. And he came up with his mum who's obviously a full-time carer and he has you know five other full-time carers with him. So the caring thing really resonated with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's now our patron. So that was a reason why. Oh, you know, it right. was always a reason. Yeah. So he's our patron and he's sort of fully supportive of what we do and uh yeah it's amazing just to be involved. So I guess yeah I would never have believed that you know you see them on TV when you're little wow these people are incredible to yeah. think I was even anywhere near that it was just yeah that was very very humbling that's for sure
1: <laughs> and um you've also you were also um named as the Morton Bay Citizen of the Year last year so yes. congratulations <laughs> so well deserved. wonderful acknowledgements and achievements and it's testament to the work that you do do and and your passion and your purpose there Yes, I so guess. to learn more about how we can support the Carers Foundation yep. or to register for your wellness programs, tell us where to find yes. all the valuable information so probably the first thing to do is to go to our website which
2: is the carers the carers uh their carers can register for the retreats or if you identify a carer in the community that you know is really struggling okay. because they don't get time to do it themselves just go online and put their name in and then we can sort of fill out the rest yeah. later if you yeah. can't fill out all the details just put something in all the boxes because it won't go through unless you do yeah. but just i'm their neighbor i can see she needs help blah blah blah, blah. he needs help or young carer that you know is struggling and doesn't know she's a carer that sort of thing um obviously you can always offer to volunteer um donations are always gratefully accepted and you know even just Joining up in a monthly, you know, a regular giving program, just donating five dollars a month would make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll be launching that cuppa for a Carer campaign soon, where people can just donate five dollars for a month for, you know, for a, let us to give a cup a care a cup of tea or a coffee. Uh, look, just any professional services, you know, people can offer on our courses. So we do counselling, we do massage therapy, natural therapies, anything that will provide any wellness or um, like gentle movement, yoga, reiki, mm-hmm. any healing uh, services at all we do wellness um, we do care packs so any well any products to help us with our you know to give our carers that can't attend so we like to send them out in the mail to carers just to let them know that somebody's thinking of them they're not alone just a little wellness pack to help them get through the day um and i guess any organizations can always become involved by becoming a partner uh, or they can sponsor sponsor events they can sponsor carers uh, to come to the retreats they can sponsor a full retreat there's lots of ways to get involved obviously so any support uh, would be you know gratefully accepted uh, until we get you know our center and our <laughs> yeah and that and that's and that's the that's the the vision and the and the goal to work yes oh and Lord. of course oh. anybody that wants to you know donate the center we're happy with naming rights <laughs> yep. we just need five million dollars but that's, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's and, Hey, we've all got to start somewhere. Hopefully, so
1: that's fully no, tax you, deductible. You've created the <laughs> you've created the building the building block, blocks and the yes. foundation steps. So we just need to keep climbing, and lots yes, of people yes. out and, there to help you help you climb. And and,
2: and any any donations obviously are all fully tax deductible. We're a full DGR one charity. So yes,
1: yes. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll put all your links up on uh, the show notes, and as a charity we need to recognise that you do rely on your donations to help make life better for unpaid carers. So our support helps them to influence your policy, raise awareness and create real change. So we definitely need to continue the conversations about caring for the carers. So here's a a couple of little quotes from Ronnie's Ronnie's little uh, journal. The smallest things can make the biggest difference. Be kind, and we all should take that on board. And the other one was No one has ever become poor by giving. And that was a quote from Anne Frank, which is so very true, Mm. isn't it? No one Mm. has ever become poor by giving. Thanks, Ronnie. It's been a great conversation and one that needs to be entered and engaged in over and over and shared over and over again. Yes. So, as I said, we'll put your links up on the show notes and on our website for anyone wanting to reach out to Ronnie and the Carers Foundation Australia. Take care good. and stay safe. And we look forward to catching up with you a little later on the year to find out what's been happening in your woods yeah, at Cedar Creek
2: there, is it Cedar Creek? Yes, here yeah, we are, at Cedar Creek.
1: <laughs> thanks All so right. much for the opportunity
2: as well, Jo. That's been wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Hey,
3: Glowgetters. Did you know that Jo Sainsbury is a published author for her book High Heels to High Viz and has been named an Amazon number one bestseller? Telling the story about Joe's transition from the corporate sector into industry, High Heels to High Viz acts as a guide for women who are considering a non-traditional role and career. High Heels to High Viz is available for purchase online at all leading bookstores, including Amazon, Dimex, Waterstones and eBay.
1: Well, that's it, guys. I do hope you've enjoyed our show and our guests. A very big special thank you to Ronnie Benbow of the Carers Foundation Australia for sharing all that goodness and warm and fuzzy with us today. A great deal of invaluable information and I hope that it's something that's resonated with you all today and that you can um, implement and pass on and by all means become a giver and not a taker. So donate to the Carers Foundation Australia. Now, you may now be asking yourself, how does caring affect my life? Well, although for many carers, caring can have positive and rewarding aspects, and there are lots of reasons why caring can also leave you needing support. So caring can have an impact on many aspects of your life. Becoming a carer can feel like a constant battle to access help for you and the person you care for. So, for example, getting the right diagnosis for your child's condition, appropriate support at school for a young carer in your family adaptations to the home and benefits and other financial help. Caring can make you physically exhausted. You might be getting up several times in the night as well as caring throughout the day. You might need to lift and support an adult who is a lot heavier than you. You might be juggling caring with looking after the rest of your family and holding down a job. Caring can leave you emotionally exhausted because of the strain of seeing someone you care about, experiencing pain, distress or discomfort. Caring can lead to stress, depression and other mental health issues. And caring can affect your relationships with your partners or other family members. If you are caring in a couple, you may no longer be able to have the physical or emotional life you had together, nor enjoy shared activities or plan for a future together. And caring can be isolating, as you might find you can rarely leave the house. It may be hard to sustain friendships or develop new ones or keep up with the interests and activities you may have previously enjoyed. The Carers Foundation vision is to provide a purpose-built education and wellness support centre for carers Australia-wide. And they are passionate about their vision and committed to doing all they can to make it a reality, to provide an avenue for carers to feel renewed with health and vitality so that they are able to continue their caring role. And that all caregivers will be acknowledged and valued for the significant work they do, including aged care, mental health, young carers, disability care, cancer care, and end of life care. They rely on the generosity of the general public to donate and support carers in desperate need of help across the Australian nation. A donation, no matter what size, can make a real difference to a carer's life. A small contribution can make a huge and lasting impact. As always, I really appreciate you guys giving me your time to listen to the radio show. You can find more information on this episode with Ronnie Benbow and the Carers Foundation in the show notes or on my social media pages or visit the website www.kickasswomen.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes sent directly to you. Well, that's all for today's show. Thanks for your company and for listening to Kick-Ass Radio. It's not goodbye, but see you later. Stay safe and well. Keep in touch poscoms. Go on, get your glow on, become a glow getter.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of kick Radio, where we kick goals and deliver empowering conversations for women. Want to hear more from kick Women and Joe Sainsbury? Visit the Kick-Ass Women website or follow kick Women on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram. See you on the next episode of kick Radio.